Hello, my beautiful beings, and welcome to today's episode. So this episode is going to be all about kind of tapping into your awareness levels to make massive change in your life. There's a lot that I want to kind of unpack today. But as you guys know, I'm always talking about you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And this is pretty much an episode that sums that up very, very, I like to think very nicely. Um, It gives you an understanding of where your levels of awareness in certain areas of your life are right now and where you can get it to and why that's going to make massive, massive change in your life. Okay. Because you could just be, you know, um, putting along through life thinking, well, this is as good as it's going to get in these specific areas. But you might be blissfully unaware of how little you're doing in that area or how cruel you're being to yourself in that area or how unhelpful you're being or how just incompetent you're being and all it takes is shedding some light on that particular area and then gaining awareness around that and then learning what you need to do about it and just doing it okay most of the time the reason we don't advance in life in the things we want to advance on is because we are unaware of what is wrong with it, okay? And we don't know how to kind of change our awareness around that. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about the four different stages of awareness or competence or all of that. It's really interesting. But before we do that, um, I want to be going into a bit of a fact today. It's not really a brain fact. It's actually kind of just want to talk about how Botox works. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So it's it, this is a short and sweet one. So Botox, we all know, is, you know, what people use to reduce wrinkles, normally facial wrinkles by stopping the muscle. You know, what it does is it stops the muscle from contracting. And then because the muscle isn't contracting, it's kind of smoothing smoothing out the skin in that area. It's obviously different to a filler. It just stops the muscles from contracting. Um, and it's also used for things like spasms in the neck to help reduce, like, um, tension headaches. It also helps reduce excessive sweating, depending obviously where it's injected. And it even helps migraines. And again, that's because of the tension that you might be experiencing through muscles surrounding kind of your, your head and neck. So Botox is actually a toxin or derived from a toxin. Uh, and it's called onobotulinum toxin A. Not sure if I pronounced that properly. And the toxin is made from a microbe that actually causes a kind of food poison food poisoning, which is called botulism, okay? And it's pretty poisonous. Like it's quite a toxic toxin derived from this bacteria. But like in everything, the poison is in the dose. So don't freak out thinking, oh my God, I've had Botox and now it's like this crazy toxin that's terrible for me. Not necessarily at all. So basically if you were to inhale a vaporized version of this toxin, you'd be dead, right? Because it stops contractions of the muscle the diaphragm, uh, it stops contraction of the diaphragm. The diaphragm's not working properly. So you can't be getting like full breaths of air in. And then of course, you're going to suffocate to death. So I'm talking about really, no one's going to be, you know, inhaling vaporized versions of Botox. That's obviously not happening. But that's pretty much what it does. Now, the exact process and mechanism of action is not completely understood, like a lot of things, but we do have a pretty good idea of what is happening. So when you get Botox injected into your forehead, for example, it's a microdose and it's extremely targeted. And what you're doing is you're decreasing muscle movement. And what it does is when you, and then you also, some people even get like a bit of a lift because it stops the depressor muscles and the depressor muscles are what, what control your frown and the frown line and all of that. So you, if you stop that from being activated all the time, some people do notice a bit of a lift as well, as well as the decrease of wrinkles, okay? So that's why you're getting that. Now, what is going on is that the nerve from the brain, the brain sends a signal down a nerve to the muscle to contract it. And within the nerve cell, like within the synapse from cell to cell, 
you have a release of a neurotransmitter for the action to take place, okay? And the neurotransmitter is released in these like pockets. These like little pockets called vesicles and they get dumped onto the following cell and that cell then has a corresponding action, okay? Now, in the case of the, the muscles that are controlling your frown, they're receiving a signal from the brain and the neuro, and they're releasing vesicles filled with something called acetylcholine. And acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter. It's a neurochemical that um, is, you, it's kind of used throughout the entire body for you know, muscle contractions, movement in general. There's a whole bunch of other things that acetylcholine is used for, but in this scenario, we're talking about muscle contraction. And this release of this uh, neurochemical is released at the synapse, at the, at the junction between the two nerve cells, right? So when, you, when Botox is injected, it targets the synapse and it prevents those vesicles that are packed with acetylcholine to be released at the synapse. And, then, and this kind of blockage lasts for about three to four months normally. That's how long like, the, the, the duration of the effect of this toxin works. So... You know, like I said, we don't fully understand what's going on, but you're getting a blockage of the release of the acetylcholine. The acetylcholine can't then activate, you know, the muscles and the receptor that it's landing on. So you're going to get no action. Okay. And then because you're getting no action, there's no contraction, there's no movement of the skin. And then the skin kind of smooths out a bit. A lot of people then say, well, obviously, if you have already really deeply formed wrinkles, you're not getting rid of the wrinkles because it's not a filler, uh, but you might smooth out the wrinkles uh, to an extent because there's no more movement of the skin and it gives the skin an opportunity to kind of smooth itself out. But it like Botox, for those of you that, you know, do or don't get it or whatever, it is just, it stops the contraction of the muscle. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Good times. That is Botox in a nutshell. Now let's get into the topic of today. So what I first want to talk about with today's topic is something that is called the hierarchy of competence, okay? And I want you to apply this in every fucking area of your life. It's very interesting. And you know what it's even more fun to do? Because it's not fun to pull yourself up on shit. We hate doing that. We're going to do it, but we don't like it. But it's really fun to observe this in other people. Lol, I'm not a martyr. I'm not going to stand here and pretend I don't observe it in other people. I do, and I love it. It's so interesting. So the, the hierarchy of competency it was described by this dude, or this man, I should say, called Martin Broadwell as the four levels of teaching okay and it can be applied to learning any skill any skill it could be driving dancing skiing drawing but I like to apply it to behavior and emotions and how we respond and how we react and how we behave in general to ourselves to the people around us how we you know our reactions to things how we engage with people etc 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 okay self-love you can apply it to all of them but these are the four stages and I'm going to go into them a little bit Stage one is unconscious incompetence. Stage two is conscious incompetence. Stage three is conscious competence. And the last one, stage four, is unconscious competence. So let's kind of expand on what each of those mean. So the first one, unconscious incompetence, is having no idea at how bad you are at something. You're unconscious about the fact that you are incompetent on this thing. So you're essentially blissfully unaware. And you just... You either don't realize the deficit or you don't realize the importance and you don't realize that you have any ownership of it. You're pretty much oblivious. You might even acknowledge that you're bad at something, but it's kind of like, 
oh, but I don't know why I'm bad. I'm just bad. Like you haven't really tried to break it down and see if you can do something about it. And I'm going to revert back to the the example of exercise a lot. But then when I give you tips and what you can do, I'm more talking about mindset and behavior in that regard. But when I talk about exercises, you know, I've, I was a trainer for years and years and years and years and years. And it was really interesting to work with different kinds of clients, especially in a group setting. When you're in a group fitness class, you're dealing with people who the best kind of people to deal with if I'm teaching, I don't expect you to be an expert, not at all. But the best kind of people to deal with are people that know that they need to learn something. So they're really going to listen to you. The hardest students to have in a class or clients to have in the class are the ones that have no idea that there's a deficit in what they're doing. So you're trying to instruct them to do a squat, but they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But they're not aware that they're actually not doing it. So that would be the example of unconscious incompetence. They're just unaware that they're not doing it right. The second stage, conscious incompetence, is they now become aware that they don't know what they're doing or that there is stuff that needs to be learned or needs to be improved. They recognize this second stage is they're now recognizing the value and the importance of needing to improve or change something, but they've not yet acquired the ability to do it. So it's just an awareness now. They're like, right, I'm actually incompetent. I'm conscious about the fact that I'm incompetent. So this is not a fun place to be in. Very, There's a lot of growth happens here, but it's probably not that enjoyable. You're having a lot more fun in stage one. You're just, it's blissfully unaware. It's good times. Stage two, it's like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. There's shit I've got to do now. I've got to change something. And I've got to acknowledge that I'm not an expert at this or that it's not working for me. Then we've got stage three. So this one's conscious competence, right? So we, are, we can do it now. We're competent, but we have to really do it consciously. We have now acquired the skill to do it, but it requires focused effort and it requires concentration to do it. We can't just kind of do it on a whim. We really have to think about it, okay? So imagine driving, when you first learn how to drive, when you first learnt, it's not when you got in the car and were like, fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. It's once you've kind of, you're driving, right? But it is this, do not turn on the music, do not talk to me, do not, do not, do not. And it's like, okay, watching, watching, watching the mirrors. If you're changing gears, it's doing all of that. There's a lot, there's a lot to get through and you do not need any distractions. It's intense. You can do it, but only consciously, right? Then it brings us to the last one the best one, the one we're trying to get to, which is unconscious competence. You are competent and you do it unconsciously. It is now in your subconscious mind. So it, you have practiced it so much that it has become natural to you. Or as I like to say, like you've outsourced it to your subconscious mind. You can now put your attention onto other things. Look at if you've been driving for years, you can be a very good driver and there's music, there's a conversation going on in the car. You can be doing things while driving. Of course, not crazy distractions where your total attention is being pulled away. But in general, you don't have to be freaking out. Oh my God, oh my God, don't talk to me. I can't be distracted kind of thing. You know, the same goes for when you, you know, um, if, you, if you go to the gym and you do exercises or if you, you know, the, how you do a squat, how you perform a certain exercise, if you do it enough times, you don't really have to think about it. You can be listening to music and you're just working through the movement. The same goes for pretty much any skill that you're doing, that any skill that you've gotten so good at that it just happens on repeat. And then, of course, the same goes for the way you talk to yourself. There are some people that just in general, most of the time, what they have to say to themselves is kind and is good. Now, you can train yourself to do that or you might have been brought up to do that. But regardless of how it's been done, it's now unconscious competence of how you talk to yourself versus you could also be unconsciously competent in talking to yourself in a really awful way. You know, so it's just what you do 
on autopilot kind of thing. So let's kind of use an example of a situation that involves emotion in this. Let's, let's, let's do negative self-talk as an example in the four stages in it. So stage number one with negative self-talk, you're so used to negative self-talk, it's part of you to the point where it is your identity and it's your safety blanket, it's your humour, it's your go-to response to people. Someone gives you a compliment and you give yourself like this huge upbeat put down and you absolutely just run yourself through the dirt to be funny or to push the compliment away and be like, oh my God, no, no, I don't, I look terrible. Or, you know, you just, you don't accept anything along those lines okay so that's in in a way it's your safety blanket you might have seen it around you growing up uh so you've kind of just ad- adopted that as your way of speaking about yourself and speaking to yourself or you might have had people speak to you in a way that makes you believe that the only way you can talk to yourself is in a really negative way maybe you were bullied maybe people were just quite cruel to you okay so you are in, in the, in, as far as talking to yourself positively and flipping that around right now, you might be unconsciously incompetent. You might be aware that you're talking to yourself negatively, but you might think that it's just not even possible to change. So you're not aware that it can be changed. So you're just not even aware of your competence in that arena. Okay. Step two, you now become aware of how destructive these patterns are. You have awareness around it. It's the hardest step. You become aware of, or it's probably the most uncomfortable step. You're aware of these patterns. You're aware of how destructive it is. You can now see how it's held you back. It's, you can see how it's made you insecure or unsure of yourself. And you understand that you can change it and that by changing it, you can actually change the trajectory of your life, okay? But you just don't know how to do it, okay? You don't have the tools. You, you just have awareness, okay? Step three is you start to gain the tools. You're practicing and you gain the tools. You learn, you surround yourself with different people. You work with people that are helping you. You start meeting people to look up to, to get an understanding of what it is that you have to do or to get an understanding of what kind of effort is involved to make a change. You understand that it's not easy, but but you get it. You see what needs to be done. And while you're working on it, you can do it, but it just requires a lot of focus so you don't slip into your old ways. So you're consciously competent. So when you're focused, you can do it. But if you're not focusing, that's when you're slipping into your old habits. But there is a strong awareness around it and there's an ability to do something about it. And then lastly, stage four, you have made this such a habitual way of being and thinking most of the time that your go-to thoughts and self-statements are completely different to how they used to be and now they are beneficial to you, okay? They are good for you now. Um, You're now in a completely different headspace. You don't have to really think about it before you do it. When someone gives you a compliment, you say, thank you so much. Oh my God, I love this dress too. I I saw it the other day and I was so excited and I tried it on it was perfect. You know, you instantly go to is to accept the compliment graciously you don't instantly, you know, when, when you get yourself ready before you go out, you're easily able to look at things that you love about yourself before you go out instead of thinking, oh my God, why even bother? Why do this? Why do that? Your go-to thoughts are now automatically beneficial to you and you are now unconsciously competent, okay? Now, I want you to be applying this in all kinds of areas of your life. Self-talk for sure, behaviors for sure, but also look at your relationships. Relationships is a huge one, especially if you are the one that is bringing across toxic behaviors, toxic patterns, toxic whatever into the relationship. It doesn't make you a bad person, but there are a lot of good people out there that have been in a very dysfunctional relationship, left that relationship, and then entered a relationship with a legend, but brought across the dysfunctional behaviors and patterns from that old relationship. 
it. So you could be an amazing person who's so nice with a good heart, but you've got all these insecurities that are cropping up and you're throwing those insecurities and dumping them on top of this person that actually is really nice, not, you know, they're, they're not toxic and they love you, but you're turning it, you're unconsciously, incompetently turning it into a toxic relationship. So this is another good one that you can kind of apply this to. Now I want to give you another couple of examples as far as identifying it in other people, because when I talk about this, you're going to be like, yep, I definitely, definitely know what you're talking about now because I've seen this in people around me or I know exa- or my, my fucking best friend does this to me all the time or whatever. You will notice that when you talk to somebody who's, let's look at education and knowledge in certain fields. When you talk to someone who's really educated in something, it's normally the people with the most education around a topic who are the ones that are that are likely to claim less about what they know, okay? Like they're confidently, you know, they're they're confident with their knowledge, but they're also very aware because they have so much awareness now, they're also very aware of what they don't know within that field. So they're less likely to throw around all these claims and say, I know everything, I know this, I know that, I've I've done this, versus somebody who has almost no knowledge about that um arena that that field of knowledge and they're probably going to act like they know so much like I deal with people all the time who are like oh I did a semester of psychology and I know that bang 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 and I'm thinking there I'm sitting there thinking well you you've done one semester which is great but everything that you're saying isn't really accurate you've never really pulled apart a study but at the same time, I'm less likely to one of them be like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and throw this shit on top of them. Because I understand that despite how much study I've done, there's still a lot that I need to learn. And the field is so massive, and I'm only just scraping the surface. So I feel like the longer you spend time studying a certain field, the more humble you become about the knowledge that you do have, because you realize it's like, (laughs) wow, there's still so much to learn. Like I would still, despite how much I study it and how much I love it, I would still consider myself quite a novice in the field of science in comparison to what there is to learn. Whereas there might be somebody that watched one documentary and think, oh my God, I know it all. I can just throw all this information around like as if I myself did the PhD around this topic. Do you know what I mean? So when you, when you, when people have just heard one statement or know not much about it, they're a lot more confident with the information they're throwing around. And that is what I mean by level one unconscious incompetence. Okay. Another thing that people do when they're consciously incompetent is they'll take one piece of information and say, oh my God, that must be fact. And then they'll kind of spray it as a blanket statement across, you know, everything else. Now, this can be really easy to identify in people around us all the time. You'll be trying to argue something or better, you should, you'd be trying to debate something. And someone would be like, no, 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 because of this, because of this. And it's kind of like you're arguing with like a brick wall. And we've all been there with that kind of person. And it's just a little bit painful and it brings like tears of boredom to your eyes when you're stuck arguing with that person because it stops being anything intellectual and I can tell you right now do not for the sake of your mental health engage in debates with these people because these people can't debate they will just argue one point again and again and again and they're not going to try and listen to what you have to say okay so when someone is unconsciously incompetent around a topic just cut your losses and walk away Debate with people who are willing to learn and expand their awareness on a subject, but if they don't do that, it is an argument. It's not really a debate. What we fail to realise is that we do that to ourselves all the time. We will have one blanket, one blanket statement and we will just like, that's it. That's it. That's it. Like you might have done, not, not succeeded at something. I'm a failure. I'm done. Why would you even bother? Why try? I'm done. I'm a failure. And it's kind of this, this 
lack of awareness around your own abilities and your own resilience that's causing you to to be unconsciously incompetent around what you could achieve and what you could do about a situation and often it's layered with so much emotion that you just think oh because I've done this little thing that didn't go well that's I'm done I'm fucking put a fork in me I'm done we can forget about trying anything else in that arena from now onwards and it's very very destructive so just as it's annoying when you're arguing with someone who will take one little piece of information and apply it to everything and and be like arguing with the child we do that to ourselves about our own abilities and you know our own life and trajectory and how we look and everything okay now this also kind of ties into confirmation bias I do have a podcast on that it's um let me check it's episode it's episode number 58 and it's called how to argue better understanding confirmation bias so go and listen to that and it kind of taps into what I'm saying here but it's this idea that often we'll take one piece of information think that we know everything about that that topic and then just roll with that and that's what you're doing in stage one of these four stages you're taking that piece of information and thinking well this is it this is done and you're not trying to educate on yourself on the topic and and be like raise awareness for yourself around that topic okay so now let's look at what you can actually do now let's look at the four steps I've already said them go back if you need to hear them again but there's the four steps the only ones that require work are step two and step three step one you're already doing in some area of your life, whether it's within your relationships and how you are in a relationship, whether it's towards yourself, whether it's in your Pilates class, whether it's whatever, okay? Step one, you're already doing it. And while it's easy to be unconsciously incompetent, it's fucking easy, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. It's effortless, but it could be painful, you know? It could be detrimental to your life. It could be detrimental to your, you know, your journey to make yourself better or also to your relationships, okay? Now, step four is also effortless, okay? There's no work in step four. You've already done the work and step four is when it becomes effortless, when, it, when you, you've, you know, outsourced that work to your subconscious mind. So, step one and step four, there's no effort involved. It's step two and step three that I want to be focusing on, okay? So let's go into a little bit of depth. Let's start with step two, conscious incompetence. So you, you've now realized that you're not so great at something. Ideally, I want you to actually, even if you can, pause this or think up quickly a couple of things that you think, okay, I can raise awareness around something that I'm not that great at, but know that change can be made. I'm not talking about you thinking about, well, I'm shit at basketball. And give a fuck if you're not, if you're not good at basketball, if basketball isn't important in your life. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking about things that are relevant to your life because there's so many things that you're going to be very incompetent at, but it doesn't affect your life in the slightest. So you wouldn't obviously bother to to put energy into worrying about that. Okay. I'm talking about things that actually affect you in some way, shape or form or affect your relationships, which which is just as important, obviously. So write a bit of a list. Something that you think is, oh, this is just me is often something where you can start with. Are you someone that reacts really badly when someone says something to you and you just don't know how to keep your cool? That's something that you can put down as something that you can work on. You can become more aware of those behaviours. Are you someone that gets super, super jealous in a relationship even though your partner's given you nothing but information to to trust them and to to make you feel comfortable around them but maybe it'd be based on other relationships that you've had? Are you always putting yourself down and always limiting who you are as a person based on your language around yourself and your language to other people around yourself and your abilities? There's, there's just so many things that you could be writing down in this section, okay? So ideally pause and write it down or you can do it after. Now I want you to realise that this is the hardest 
admitting this is the hardest thing to do emotionally. The next step is hard to do because you've got to be aware of it all the time. But this step is the hardest thing to do emotionally because you have to admit something to yourself. You have to admit that this can be changed and you have to be prepared to tackle this daunting task ahead of you, okay? If you're saying that nothing can be done, then you are still kind of at that unaware stage. You don't recognize the importance of the change. You might recognize that you're not good at something, but right now you're not recognizing how important it is to change or you don't recognize what you need for it to change, okay? By realizing and by admitting something to yourself that this needs to change and I'm the one that's going to change it, it it can be a really hard blow for many people. And many people have this attachment to their pain And I've spoken about that a few episodes ago in the pain and discomfort episode. But a lot of people have this attachment to their pain and suffering because it forms part of their identity. And it's a safe space. It's not comfortable, but it's what they know and it is their safe space. And for a lot of people, because it's their identity, they feel quite lost without it. And they also feel like when someone's always a certain way, if you're really clingy or if you're really jealous or if you're on the attack or if you're whatever, you are used to how people react to you. They either try and soothe you, they try and calm you down, they try and pacify your jealousy, they try and whatever. So you're used to getting all this attention, whether it's positive or negative, you're used to getting this. And then if you were to go out on a limb and be a little bit more independent and think I'm responsible for these emotions that I'm feeling or these behaviours in my relationship that's causing the relationship to fall apart. If you, Once you realise you're responsible for it, then it's it feels like you're going to be isolated but you're not factoring in all the things that you're going to gain by taking re- by getting rid of your suffering your unnecessary suffering in your life you're not taking into account people that are too attached to their pain fail to see how much they're going to gain in their relationships and how much you know what, what kind of intimacy and closeness they're going to get because they're so used to relying on other people to soothe their pain and so they become really really attached to this pain because they get attention for it okay now again all of this is fine it's all about awareness you've just got to be like I might have been like that in the past but I'm aware that it can change and not only it can change I am the one responsible for the change and therefore I can do something about it if you take responsibility for your actions whether they're good or bad you then have the power again. If you say, oh, the reason I acted like that is because you did this to me, you're basically saying, I'm not power, I don't have the power. You're saying, I'm powerless. If you genuinely believe that all your actions are because someone made you do it or the cause of something, then you're basically re- retelling the same story of your past into your future. If you say, while that wasn't fair, I still am in charge of my, like, you know, something might not have been fair for you and you might have reacted in a bad way, but you can still take back the power and say, I was responsible for my feelings. I didn't have the knowledge of what to do at the time, therefore that's why I acted. But now I have the knowledge and now I am responsible and now I'm going to do something about it. So you have a a choice. Do something about it or don't. But you are the one that's responsible for your actions and that's a very exciting thing. That's what step two is all about, realising it. If you weren't responsible for your actions, you'd probably be a child or a baby, okay? Otherwise, you're, you're, you're just um, in denial, pretty much. Now, this step, step two, also requires patience and understanding. It's kind of like it's, it's a commitment to yourself to do better and do, and do things differently, but it's also 
it's also a fine line. It's this acknowledgement that change needs to be had while being critical of your own work, but not critical of who you are as a person. You're trying to be analytical and critical about actions that you've done in the past and things that can improve, not who you are as a person. There's a difference between saying I failed the exam to saying I am a failure, okay? And that's what I want you to do. I want you to be critical with the things that are external to who you are as an individual, okay? Keep that separated because the moment you think, oh, well, this thing makes me, you know, the moment you start using universal blanket terms, then you're on kind of a bit of a downward spiral. So this is, you're always maintaining the, the patience and understanding and respect for yourself while you do step two, okay? And now a good way of doing this is, is look at what annoys you about people. And if, if you want to raise awareness about what the things you do that might need improving in a relationship, for example, try and look at what annoys you about people or about partners or, or you know, things that your friends do or whatever. And then ask yourself, do I do any of that? Or is there a version of that thing that I do? Or is there a version of this thing that this person's doing that annoys me that I also do? Because... For example, you might get annoyed at your partner for never taking the rubbish out um, when you've asked them time and time again. But maybe they're asking you to do something and because it's not a physical act every day, maybe they've asked you to do something and you just don't follow through because you don't see the value of it. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes it's easy for us to see something frustrating that our partner has done, but then it's a lot harder for us to identify that we are also culprits of a similar behavior. Okay, so that's a really good thing to do. Every time you get annoyed at something or someone, you think, ting, Am I, am I doing something similar to this or is there an equivalent or something that I've done like this? If not, great, amazing. But if so, then you're like, okay, now I can be consciously aware of this thing and I can start to do something about it, okay? Next time you have an argument or a debate with someone, try and be as, as observant as possible, okay? Try and understand what that person is saying. Do you know most of us, the reason why arguments occur for most people and the reason why we get into this confirmation bias and we back our statements with little to no evidence and we're really incompetent at something but we think they're competent, it's because we are more um, hell-bent on being heard but we don't really value understanding the person in front of us. You see it all the time. You see it with strangers. When strangers argue, they don't give a fuck about understanding the person they're arguing with. All you have to do is wander onto Facebook and look at the debates that people have on Instagram and look at the debates that, that strangers have with each other. It's just this barrage of like, blah, 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 blah. no one's trying to seek to understand, okay? And fine if you do that with a stranger. That's on you if you want to fuck. Lol, if you want to engage in that and waste your time. But if you're with your sibling, your partner, your parents, people at work, your, your primary goal is to understand where that person's coming from. Not agree, but understand. But at the moment, for most people, it's my goal is to be understood. And if you're saying, I want to be understood, and the person next to you is saying, I want to be understood, then what's going to happen? Fuck all. You've just wasted your breath, gotten really angry, resented each other, and then walked away. Okay? So one of the best ways to raise self-awareness weirdly enough, is to gain awareness about the other person that you're talking to. If you sit there with your discomfort and think, I'm going to really try and understand this person, not necessarily agree, but understand. I'm going to ask some questions about their point of view. I'm going to really dig deep, not in a condescending way, genuinely. How do you feel about this? Oh, is that why you feel that way? Where did that stem from? Why do you think, how does it affect you when you think this? Why this? Why that? Ask them so many questions and you'll start to calm down. You become less defensive because you gain an understanding of why that person's being the way they're being. And this is really, really good in an argument with your partner. You can turn an argument into a conversation very quickly 
just by seeking to understand what your partner is trying to say or do. The same goes for yourself. The same goes for things about yourself. We are so good at ignoring what we want emotionally, what we need emotionally and physically as well. We are so good at ignoring ourselves and we think, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to talk to myself this way, blah, 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 blah. But we never stop and think, what is it that I need? What is it that my body needs right now? Do I need a rest? Do I need a bit of compassion from myself at least? What do I, you know, you're not even seek. We are so shit at seeking to understand our bodies, our, our emotions. You know, sometimes if you're feeling super, super frustrated, we'll try and like cover it up, cover it up, go out, have a drink, do this, do that. And we're not even seeking to understand ourselves, let alone the people around us. Okay. So one of the best things you can do for step two is Gain awareness by seeking to understand yourself and other people, okay? It's about doing less and observing more and just – it's like, you know, quietening everything down. If I was trying – you know, if, if I'm – as an example, as, as a, a metaphor, if I'm in a class, a group setting, right – music's blaring, everyone's having a good time, and I'm trying to get someone to do a squat and they absolutely do not – they can't do a squat, okay? So I'm trying to get them to do this squat. If they're already in that squat, right, and I'm trying to get them to do a squat and do it differently, nothing's going to happen. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're saying yes while I'm actually giving them correction. They're almost – it's like they know that I'm not – it's like they're thinking I'm not going to get it, so why even – bother. So they're talking over me saying, yep, 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 as I'm trying to give them instruction. So what I would do in a scenario like that is I would say, okay, stand back up. And I'd get them to stand back up. You break the circuit. You have to do this with yourself in all areas of life, okay? Break the circuit. Get out of that lane. Step off the track, okay? And then from standing up, we reset and we regroup. If someone's already in a squat and I'm trying to edit, 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 we're just talking at each other and nothing's happening. I stand them up and then I just give them the most basic of instructions. And then before they know it, they're like, oh, that's what it feels like. Boom, they've got awareness. Boom, it's not easy. But now they know what it feels like. And then they can work on that before they know it. They're squatting with no problems and it's second nature to them. Okay. The same thing goes for thoughts about yourself, for behaviors, for your own, you know, when you're learning something, whatever it is. But ideally, what I want this, to, what, what I want you to be focusing on, is applying this to your relationship with yourself. So take that pause, raise some awareness around the topic, regroup, and then give it a go with what with what you've become aware of. Okay. Now let's talk about step three. This is just the part that requires probably the most active effort because it requires a lot of focus. It is you actively rewriting and rewiring to literally change your mind and change your brain to do something differently, okay? And if you do it consistently enough, then eventually, and not that far into the future, but eventually you'll be able to outsource this to your subconscious mind. It becomes second nature. You become you can do it on autopilot, okay? But it's it, the more consistently you do it, the faster it happens. If it's one here, one there, one there, and you've got more consistency with your negative patterns or your you know detrimental patterns, then it's not going to happen. You've got to tip the scales and do more good than bad. Even if you don't do it every single time, it doesn't matter. As long as the scales are being tipped to more good than bad, then you're starting to rewrite those pathways, okay? If you do one good thing here and there, it's obviously better than nothing, but the scales are always going to be tipped in favor of your negative thoughts. So this is where awareness is 
crucial. This is where you have to do, go back and listen to that thing, do this for 30 days, the 30-day challenge, where you're raising awareness around things. At the end of the day, you're kind of doing a little bit of a summary. You're cracking it open and saying, okay, these are the behaviors that were detrimental. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm rewriting. So this episode right now, I want you to go back and listen to that 30-day challenge. It's probably like four or five episodes ago, and you are going to do that task. It is all about awareness, awareness, awareness. Once you are aware Then you just have to physically take the actions of doing it. The hardest thing is to become aware and to admit that to yourself. Now you're just taking action. So what I want you to do is learn to rewrite these patterns and rewrite these behaviors. That's all you have to do in step three, okay? For example, let's go back to the squatting analogy. You might be like, okay, now I know what a squat feels like. Now I know what a correct form squat feels like. Um, Next time I do a squat, if I don't think about it, if I'm distracted, I'll just get go bang, drop back into my my old form again, right? So if I, if I was PTing someone and we're distracted talking, bang, you you see them, they're not paying attention, bang, they drop into their old form. Then I say, okay, focus, concentrate. What did you do differently? What do you need to do now? And they tell me exactly what they need to do. They know logically when they're thinking about it, when they're focused, they can tell me exactly what they need to do. I'll say, show me. They show me and it's perfect. If they're distracted, they go back into their old ways. The same goes for your negative self-talk. The same goes for your behaviors, your patterns, your habits, your rituals, okay? The brain is, while very complicated, it's also very predictable, okay? So if you if you don't pay attention, you slip into your old ways or you slip into what your brain is most comfortable doing, okay? If you pay attention, you can start to rewire your brain. That's all you have to do, awareness, okay? So I want you to start writing down what are the main things that you do or get that list that you wrote earlier on in this episode. And I want you to focus on the things that that are the most impactful to your life right now ideally with your relationship with yourself or your closest relationship in your life. And then I want you to pick the most important one. For example, we're going to use negative self-talk. That's the one you're focusing on from now on, okay? You can you can do other things later, but pick one to focus on. That way you keep the consistency and you tip the scales in, in to, the, to the positive, helpful side, not the detrimental side. If you try and tackle too many things at once, then the scales aren't going to tip because your, your focus is scattered. One thing. Okay, and then you're going to think of ways to override every time you do the wrong thing. So if it was a squat, for example, you know what a good squat is. Every time you do a bad squat, go and position yourself in front of a mirror and do three perfectly executed squats. Okay, and then you move on and do the next thing, especially if you find if you're making the mistake in the same area every single time. Sometimes if you're doing a dance routine, if you glitch at one point every single time, but you don't stop and correct, then you might have that glitch every single time in that one same part of the dance, the same for so many other areas in your life, whatever it is that you're trying to learn. If you see that you're making that mistake all the time, if you see that you're always harsh on yourself every time you leave the house, if you see a pattern arise with destructive behaviors or with something that's a glitch in something you're trying to do, even if it's not destructive but a mistake, then you pause, you regroup, you snap out of it, and then you rewrite, okay? Don't push through, push through, push through and be like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. No, pause, identify, raise awareness, regroup and say, okay, take a breath, let's redo that. So you look in the mirror and you say, I don't like how I look, I don't know. Pause, take a big breath, regroup and say three things that you think are great about yourself and then big smile and you're like, fucking I did it. I fucking rewrote those, I rewrote it. And then you walk out the door. And you do that every single time. And then before you know it, you're going to look in the mirror before you leave and be like, fuck yeah, bang, 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 love these three things. And then you leave the house on a high, okay? It's little things like that. You have to pause. You have to step aside. You've got to get rid of that, you know, 
feel like you're on autopilot of these destructive things that you're doing and step out of it. Okay, awareness is king. And once you have the awareness, you can do something about it. Without the awareness, you can do nothing about it. If you're performing something on autopilot, you have no awareness because that is a subconscious process. Okay, so it's all about every time you notice it, do something about it. Every time, okay? Pick one thing, guys. I want you to pick that one thing and that is what we are focusing on. Guys, that is the episode today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for tagging me in things. I love getting your tags. I love getting the tags of people buying the books, buying the card games. You guys are incredible. I love you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you can start to identify when you do it. But also, like I said, what's really fun is noticing other people with their unconscious incompetence. Fuck, it's fun to point it out once you understand that hierarchy of those four stages. Anyway, love you guys so much and I'll speak to you next time. As always, guys, remember, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brain, don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Don't care.